history with the podcast guy, Matt King. Hey everybody, thank you for listening to our podcast. Unfortunately, for some, our topics that we talk about may be offensive to some people. The topics that we discuss could also be triggers, and we want you to be aware of that. If you are in need of help, please talk to a professional, a family member, or a friend. We are not medical professionals, and we don't claim to be. We are just two guys with a microphone and a platform. Please listen with discretion. Welcome to This Time in History, guys. It's Matthew. We're back again for another episode, and I get to talk today to the incredible Mr. Kenny Bolin. Welcome to the show, Kenny. Well, first of all, John King, if that is your real name, (laughs) how dare you be running around the country using my god-given name of king i know this is not a video podcast i normally only do video podcasts because i like for everybody to see how pretty i am at the age of 62 but if this were a video podcast and you were watching on the bowling alley you would see the beautiful red crown that jerry the king lawler passed down to me many years ago because he realized he wasn't going to be the king anymore that was my title that was my job so not only am i a little upset that you use my name god-given name of king But you also have the gall, the audacity, the intestinal fortitude, the lack of being a paragon of sartorial pulchritude. Don't even introduce me properly by calling me Kenny Bolin. My name, son, if you ever followed any of my social media, is Kenny Starmaker Bolin. And why the fuck am I looking at the camera? Because this is a goddamn audio podcast, so I can just look at you for a change. I'm looking at the camera like people are actually watching the show. I'm picking up my brand new phone case that I got today. I was trying to tell you that it's the simpler things in life that make you happy. This is a goddamn nine dollar phone. There I am looking at the goddamn camera again. You <laughs> fucked up my whole my whole savoir faire that I normally have on these shows. And I got it's not necessarily the phone case that's so great that only costs ten dollars. It's the little magnetic piece that you put on the back. Look at that. I can go down the road now and put that in my vent. My phone won't go anywhere. I can actually use it to track where I'm going and talk to my son on, on wireless headphones it's like i've walked into the 21st century i wish the fucking god republicans would do it all right oh that's an opening that's an opening we're done that's it there's no need to talk about anything else i am so uh happy where's the with- comment section the fans would be going wild right now where's the comment section <laughs> I'm so happy that you uh, you wanted to do this interview. I wanted to talk about your... I didn't want to do it. I was paid to do it. I got a PayPal thing in the mail. Uh, $500? Is that what? Yeah. 500 What? 50 I wouldn't have done this goddamn thing. All right, I'm here now, so I guess I'm stuck with it. I thought we got 500 My eyes are a little blurry, and I didn't see the that we lacked a zero that I requested. No, I didn't want to do it. I was paid to do it. <sighs> what a fuck up. This is horrible. Can you make up the other 450 after the show? Are you good for it? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Don't, we don't, don't do. laugh. That's a serious question. Don't laugh at that. This is money, son. Good God. Would you believe I woke up 15 minutes ago? I wake up this angry. And take me a nap. You wrote me, reminded me at 1 o'clock I got a 4 o'clock show. Well, that put me in a bad mood. <laughs> Jesus. I got I to gotta do something at 4 o'clock? This, is, this sucks. So I took a nap, lasted two hours, and, and I wake up this angry. This is just how it is. I got to ask. No comment. Where are the comments? Oh, it ain't live. <laughs> it's on Memorex. You record on Memorex? No, no, it's on the computer. Oh, 
I've heard about those. I've heard about computers. For the fans that can't see it, I can see it. The man's got a soundproof ceiling, folks. God damn. I've been doing podcasting for like thirty five years. I don't have a I don't have a soundproof ceiling. He's got a soundproof ceiling. Well, it's 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 about half right now. I'm working on the other well, half. See now, see that's where you fucked up. I was trying to convince the people the whole goddamn place was soundproof. They don't know. They're stupid. They ain't got video, and they wouldn't have known any better. And you know, you smarten them up like like Vince McMahon did to the wrestling business years ago. Now they're all smart that you only got a half a ceiling soundproof. You know, they say that uh, that's not when he killed the business. He killed the business when he hugged Stone Cold in the middle of the ring at WrestleMania 17. Oh, well, hmm. You know, I don't even remember that. I don't even remember that happening, so I guess I just didn't give a shit. (laughs) The fact that we're not on video means that I can grab my yellow back scratcher, reach behind my back, and get an itchy spot that's in my back, and you all won't even know it. So there we Oh, wait a minute. I just smartened those fuckers up, didn't I? I sure did. I sure did. Um, no, um, what they said is that he actually helped the business when he did that because now we're no longer insulting. They're all looking at the fucking camera again. Um, that he was now no longer insulting the intelligent wrestling fans because by trying to tell us it's all real and, and that they all hate each other. Uh, that we're insulting the intelligent fans. Well, we insulted the intelligent fans at the Louisville Gardens. There'd be 5,500 of them showing up every Tuesday night. And I guarantee you, 97 to 95% of them, give or take, on a given night, thought it was fucking real. And uh, and you couldn't tell them otherwise. And, and when you would fuck with them, when I first got in, I said, now, Kenny, now, now how much of that stuff is fake? I said, all of it. And fuck with them. And they said, no, no, now that stuff with Tojo, that was real. Oh, well, yeah, that stuff was. But I, and, 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 uh, and I'll tell you stuff. I'll tell you a little story. You know about my old buddy Jim Cornette, right? Yeah. Max, Max, old buddy, we haven't spoken about five or six years because he didn't like that me and Russo were friends and various other uh, scenarios that factored into it. But um, he, when he got in the business, the day he got in the business, number one, he didn't know what go home meant. All right, neither did I, because neither one of us had been in the business. We didn't know what go home meant. And he also thought all world title matches were real. When we were kids, 15, 16, 17 years old, he tried to convince me that that the title match has got to be real. I said, well, those would be the ones you'd have to work. Because <laughs> now we got to know who the champion is, where we're going to send him, how long is he going to have the belt, is he going to drop it in a particular town, and we can't be scheduling a guy 90 days out. If you see a schedule of Nick Bockwinkle 90 days out being scheduled to be in Omaha, Nebraska, defending the world title, it'd be a good, damn good thing that he shows up with a belt. <laughs> he could lose if it's real. He could lose it to Harley Race or somebody in a title versus title. I said, no, Jimmy. The goddamn world title matches are the most worked matches that we have. And, uh, and he just didn't want to hear it. So he went into the business, and he can say what the fuck he wants. He's a liar if he says otherwise. He thought world title matches were real the day he got into business. Wow. You know, um, I, I listen to a bunch of wrestling podcasts, but nearly Shame like... on you. You should only be listening to the bowling alley. So if you're I, listening I... to a bunch of them, that's time you're taking away. You know I got over 1,300 shows on the air. You could just listen to all those and actually educate yourself and learn a little something about the business. But no, you got to listen to all these other dumb fucks who don't know shit. And um, and they told you that Vince killed the business when he hugged Steve Austin. Say, I never heard that. Must not be true because I never heard it. 
Well, that is something that Cornette said. Well, okay. Well, we don't need to hear much more after that, do we? <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, no, I thought that the, the click killed it. I thought the click killed it when they did their thing. Yeah. Nobody yeah. gave a shit. Nobody gave a shit. 99.9% of the people in that building that night knew it was a work. So that they, But then again, I guess if you want to see Top Gun and... And, uh, and whoever the heels are in that movie, if they were all hugging each other in the round. But sometimes they are. You know how, you know how they roll the ending credits? I almost killed my own scenario. You know when they roll the ending credits of the, and you see the bloopers? Yeah. Maybe wrestling should start doing that. Maybe Raw should just be a recorded show. And then at the end of the show, we set aside 15 minutes for the bloopers and fuck-ups and backstage hugs and kisses and all that shit. And then it would be great. It would be great. Because, oh, we, get, oh, we can't leave yet. We got the blooper reel. And me and Jimmy used to never leave the movies because we wanted to see if there was going to be a blooper reel. Wanted to see the outtakes. So we knew it was a work. They showed it was a work at the end of it. So no, no, you cannot use the, the, the case that, well, they don't reveal that it's all tricks and photography in the movie. Yeah, they do. They, they show you the blooper reel. A lot of them do. Jason fucking up in, in the goddamn Friday the 13th movies. Michael Myers in Halloween. You don't really get a lot of blooper reels in those movies, though. No, definitely not. They must be real. Those must be the real movies. So how'd you get into the business? Talk my way into it. No, no actually, <laughs> sort of, kind of. <clears throat> Jimmy got in in, uh, God, the very early 80s with Jerry Jarrett. And the plan always was is that we were going to get in the business together. We were one day going to get the courage to approach Jerry Jarrett and let him know that we wanted to be in the wrestling business. And the plan was I was going to be the wrestler. There's pictures floating around out there of me wearing Jerry Lawler's tights. I was a very good amateur wrestler. I was 212-0 and at Oldham County High over a course of four years. And they said, well, why do you know those, but you don't know anything you did in, in, in pro wrestling? I said, well, because those matches were real, and they meant something. And those other matches, I won and lost as I was told. I don't know how many times we had the OVW title. I don't know how many times we won the tag titles. I don't know what our one-loss record was. All I know is that we were in probably 90%, if not higher, of the main events that were on television. Everybody that ever came to Ohio Valley Wrestling wanted to be in bowling services. Why? Because that's where the main events were, and that's was what the agents were watching on the film clips when the VHS tapes were being sent up by Danny Davis to go to the, uh, OB, uh, to, to the WWE. So that's what I gave a shit about. How many people are you sending to the WWE? And how are they doing once they get there? And who gives a fuck about one-loss records? Uh, hell, we would, we would lose eight out of ten weeks in a row. And I never gave a shit. I never knew how many times we had the titles. But a lot now, Jimmy knows every tag title they ever won, the date they won it on, where, where it was, the house, what the payday was. He knows all that shit. Well, that's real to him. That's as real as it ever gets. Jimmy never did any real sports. He didn't play real wrestling. I played real football, real basketball, real baseball, real wrestling. So that's the shit that mattered. I knew how many home runs I hit for Oldham County. I knew how many yards I rushed for. I knew how many wide receiver catches I made. I knew that I was 212-0 and because that was what I was very proud of. I, and I wrestled everybody in all weight sizes. If you thought you could beat me and use a 277-pound tractor puller, a uh, big country dumb fuck, and here I weighed at that time 175, I agreed to wrestle him. I said, I don't give a fuck if he's 100 pounds bigger. And I put on my Jerry Lawler tights. They said, well, you can't wear those. I said, I bet I fucking can. So I would put on my Oldham County outfit over those tights. <clears throat> I said, there's nothing that says I can't wear these under them. <laughs> 
I said, he's giving me confidence, and I'm going to beat that big fuck. And I did. And that's when they said, well, Bowen can beat anybody. Well, my name was Ryzen then. I was Kenny Ryzen. I was still under my adopted name. And uh, so I had the confidence I could beat anybody. So Jimmy, from what I've been told, said, well, if, if Kenny gets in, he ain't going to put anybody over. He's going to beat everybody he thinks he can beat. He's not going to go along with the program. He's, he's, he's not going to work it. I said, well, no, Jimmy. you Because he told me that after he, he promised me he'd have me in in six months. And he told me, so a year, two, three years go by. I said, why have you not got me? He said, well, Kenny, you're not going to put anybody over. You're not going to, you know, you, you, you brag about that 212-0 record. I said, well, that's because I actually did that. You know, that, that's real shit. I said, but guess what, Jimmy? I didn't make a fucking dime off any of those masses, unless it was a personal side bet I made with somebody. And I did. I did that a few times. I bet you five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks, I'll beat your ass, regardless of how big you are. And uh, but no, if they're paying me, I don't give a fuck, Jimmy. I I can go for a hundred as long as I get a paycheck every week. I don't give a shit. It ain't real. So, and and of course the, the business was still very protected back then, and you weren't supposed to say that shit, and we didn't. And um, and I always treated people when I was out in public the same way I got the same way I got treated. If I'm in Walmart and I got a cart full of groceries and it's me and my son, my daughter-in-law, whoever, hey, Bowen, you suck, you fat piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, buddy. I'm just, you know, trying to get some groceries. And, and uh, hey, Mr. Bowen, I really appreciate what you do. Man, you're a great heel. Whatever. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. And just leave it and just kind of give. But but on the on the site, if, if you're in the parking lot and you're showing up, you're, you're Kenny Starmaker Bowen or Kenny the King or whatever the fuck you're going by then. And at last, until you leave that parking lot and you go home, that character, the minute you hit that parking lot, pull in, and if there's fans at the windows wanting to shake your hand, you don't shake their hand. If they want to pat you on the back, you act like you're going to hit them because you don't want them fucking touching you. And that lasts until you go home. But once you once you leave the facility, I would give them whatever they gave me. If they wanted to act like they were smart to the business and appreciated what we did. Now, if you act like you're too smart, I would put you in your place as well. Oh, okay, Kenny. Well, I think they should have done. Oh, really? Well, maybe you should get a job as a booker in professional wrestling. You seemingly know way more than we do. We'll just start doing shit your way. You're the smart one. Fuck us. We don't know anything. <laughs> so, um, uh, so that's why all that shit was was serious to me because that was that was the real part. <clears throat> but if it ain't real, I didn't give a shit. So I couldn't begin to tell you what our records were. All I know, I, there's one thing that was real. I put 54 people into the WWE. Not all of them became millionaires, but a shitload of them did, and a shitload of them are still there. And I even counted guys that we feuded with, because if we didn't feud with the Randy Ortons, the Brock Lesners, and the Batistas, they were placed there because we were going to elevate them. We might have to lose eight matches to Batista, nine, ten matches to Brock Lesnar. Um, even fucking Mike Bucci, when he was there, had to lose to his little scrawny ass. <laughs> like, like Mike Bucci could ever beat John Cena or Rico Constantino in eight billion years. It's a fucking work. So we had to elevate his ass and actually got him a little time. Now, I didn't count him in my 54. I didn't count him. Uh, but it was because of us he got there, though. If it weren't for John Cena and Rico, then he doesn't see a fucking day in the WWE, and that's why he probably wasn't there very long. So um, that's how I feel about that. But, no, I take very seriously the 54 that we gave an opportunity. And now once you get up there, you're at the mercy of how you're booked and how much your talent really is. And John Cena, I trained the heels and developed the heels and traveled up and down the roads with them. And then I hear a lot of people say, well, don't Cornette and Danny Davis get most of the, of the credit? Well, no, because Jimmy didn't travel up and down the roads with any of the guys unless they happened to ride 
Well, no, because Jimmy didn't ride in the ring truck. Him and Stacy went by themselves. Now, if they were recruiting some hot tub talent, who knows? But um, you're supposed to laugh at that part. God damn it, you <laughs> fucked the whole bit up. Um, so, but no, it's, I'm the one that traveled up and down the road with my boys. You know, if it was me, Cena, Rico, Mike Mondo, uh, Carlito, um, Shad Gaspard, whoever the hell we had going with us. Um, um, that's where we came up with ideas and gimmicks and, and shit that we could do. We had a three hour trip in a lot of those cases, three hours back, uh, 90 minutes at dinner after the show. We had a lot of time to talk and develop stuff. And, uh, and Jimmy didn't do that with anybody. Jimmy would show up for Wednesday, throw his temper tantrums, maybe go home if they yank somebody from the show, because that's what the fucking show's for. Oh, by the way, we're pulling this guy. Or you need to put this guy on TV because we got to start elevating this person. And uh, Jimmy's temper tantrums probably cost us uh, as much success in, in, in OVW as anything. Because if he'd have just understood why we were there, and I even tried to calm him down sometimes. And once again, he can, he'll, he'll call me a liar. I don't give a shit. I know the fucking truth. But um, many, as I said, well, Jimmy, they just, all they did, it's a great big ass puzzle we got here. We got 30 or 40 pieces to the puzzle. They only took one or two pieces of the puzzle. So why don't we just replace the puzzle like those other two pieces never, ever went away? And we gradually slide in two other pieces. Wouldn't that be? And he, and he would want to destroy the whole puzzle and build a whole. And that's just how he is. You know, be it good or bad. That's just if you take away two pieces of the puzzle. Now we got to destroy the puzzle and build a whole new puzzle. I don't know. I never I never got that. <laughs> I always look for the easiest fucking way to get something done. I always have. And that's why I still have all my hair, and my hair is not blithering gray, and he has very little with a five head and a lot of gray hair, because he stresses out a lot. I hope he makes it. He well, wished me dead not long ago. Oh, that's not still good. Here, still, still here, Jimmy. Still here. <laughs> so, so um, According to my hair, I'm going to outlive you by about 85 years, so you oh, want to calm down on wishing people dead. <laughs> I started balding when I was 20 years old. I had just become a father. You don't seem all that stressed, though. No. Yours might be hereditary. You know what? It's been a lot of years since I was 20. I'm 39 now, so. 39? I got a great wife. Don't look, and a, day, don't look a day over 72. You're holding <laughs> up. I got a great wife, and she really takes care of the kids, so that. Is she around? Is she around? Can we get a peek at the wife? She's upstairs. I want to see <laughs> if you married up or not. I bet you did. Oh, I, I bet, definitely. I bet you should not even be with this one. She's way out of my league. <laughs> If I'm with a woman, it's out of my league. I'll go along with that. If I'm with one, yeah, it's probably out of Bowen's league. So, um, I'm just gonna like. That's I, I, a great I, question. Let me let me enhance that a little bit. I know. So, I, um, I know stuff about you, but I, I want you to tell the listeners. Like, um, so I, I have some questions for you. Like, uh, who's your favorite wrestler all time? Well, you probably know the answer to that, right? Yeah, but I want you to tell me. Oh, well, uh, well, it's uh, Jerry the King Lawler. I mean, that's, that's how the nickname King came to be. I was King in high school. Um, I met Jerry. Jerry hates it when I tell this story, but I met Jerry in the back alley at the Louisville Gardens. He said, I wish you wouldn't tell the story that way. I said, well, that's how it happened. Uh, but I met him in the back alley, and I knew Jerry before he was the King. And um, a lot of my classmates used to go with me uh, at Oldham County because they couldn't believe that I actually knew Jerry Lawler. And that effect, we saw him in the back. Now, this started happening around 75, 76, that I could actually introduce some of my friends to Jerry or Sam Bass or some of the stars on the show. 
And it was a big deal that I actually knew who these, because these were huge television stars back in the day. These were the days of three television channels, if you were lucky. Some people only got two. If you didn't have UHF on your television, you only got two. Now, if you had UHF, you could get 32 and 41 if you were lucky and if your antenna was strong enough to yank those stations in. So in many homes, there was only two channels. 11 o'clock on Saturday morning, you can watch um, some bullshit kid show on Channel 11. Or on Wave 3 in those days, you could watch pro wrestling. That's your two fucking options. So can you imagine how big a stars people would be today if there were only two fucking options? Four maybe in some homes. Still, you know, uh, cartoons. But, but, but wrestling was reality television back then. You had to tune in every week, especially for Memphis, because they really carried out the reality version of this. Um, Coco Beware, even as early day, if you were on that show, you were a monster television star. You didn't have to be Jerry Lawler. You could be Coco Beware, Jerry Bryant, Radford Tendall. You could be anybody. If you were on the show, didn't matter if you had lots of wins and losses, if you were on the show, half of Memphis was watching you, sometimes more than half half of Louisville, sometimes more than half, depending on what was going on. And um, it was a huge deal that I knew the biggest star of the show, Jerry the King, uh, Jerry Lawler at one point, and then eventually Jerry the King Lawler. And I've told the story many times that he stole the name King from me because in, in, in elementary school to junior high, I was known as the King of Kickball. I was very good at kickball. You wouldn't think the skills would have to be all that fucking great. He can kick a ball and he can run fast. That's pretty much all you got to be able to do. So I used to tease everybody that my classmates would go, hey, king this, king that, the king of kickball. And then Lawler overheard them and stole my name. Now, obviously, there's a there's another story to that where this guy, I forget his name. You can Google it. Uh, some guy got killed in a plane crash that gave Lawler his, his king gimmick, the, the crown and the robe. And he, he went to Australia and he didn't want to take all that shit with him. The crown and the robe and the go get all that through customs and all that shit. Uh, I wish I could think of his name. I never can. Jimmy could spit it off the top of his uh, top of his lips along with some other things. But um, um, so that's how Jerry got the name King. But I took credit for it because I said, well, he overheard the kids calling me the king of kickball. And he took my gimmick. And then when I got in in 1987, when Nick Goulas hired me to service merchandise, and he says, I'm going to make you the next Jerry Lawler. I told him I was friends with Jim Cornette and Jerry Lawler. He says, are you in the business? I said, no, I'm not in. They never have got me in. And uh, But Bill Dundee told me that he never, ever heard Jimmy tell him he wanted me. And he said, why didn't you come to me? I said, well, I didn't think I needed you, Bill. I said, number one, I didn't know you because we weren't allowed to hang out with the baby faces. Number two, I'm best friends with Jerry the King Lawler and Jimmy Cornette. Who the fuck else do I need to get me in the business? Those are two pretty good ways to get in. And But Jimmy apparently didn't want me in. He didn't even want Jimmy Hart around. He didn't want downtown Bruno around. Jimmy did not want any competition. And um, and once again, he can lie about it all he wants. I remember the stories he told me. He, he was very jealous of Jimmy Hart and Jerry Lawler's relationship because Jerry Lawler and Jimmy Hart got the A-Towns. This is back when they were running two towns a night. So Jimmy, Jimmy Hart and Jerry Lawler got the A-Towns because Hart was Lawler's boy. Jimmy Cornette was billed on D's boy. They got the B-Towns. Well, guess what? The B-Towns don't make as much money as the A-Towns. So I do remember in Jimmy's first year in uh, in Memphis, I helped him move to Nashville. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, Jimmy. Um, I helped him move to Nashville, and I do remember that he had to borrow money from his mother to pay his electric bill. 
So I guess the name Mama Cornette, you know, being the financial backer was actually a shoot because without her help, he wouldn't have made it. She was helping finance his wrestling career. And Jimmy didn't make any real money until he got with Bill Watts. Bill Watts took a, a real good liking to Bill Dundee and, and Jim Cornette. And then, of course, the Midnight Express, because Bobby and Dennis and Jimmy were all part of a package deal. They didn't give a fuck to have them in Memphis anymore, so they all went to Oklahoma and worked in the Bill Watts territory, and that's where he started to make some money. And then apparently Ric Flair liked them and, and, and helped pull some strings to get them into uh, Georgia, Atlanta, uh, Mid-Atlantic, Charlotte, you know, through there. And that's when they started making some money. But Jimmy had told me one story about how much money they were making, that they were making maybe $400,000, $440,000 a year. But one of the members of the Midnight Express, who's still alive, even though I was very close to the one that passed away semi-recently, one of the living members of the Midnight Express told me, nope, we were not making anywhere near that. And I'll tell you why. They wanted to fuck Jimmy on the pay. They wanted to pay us X, which wasn't bad, um, hundred and something grand a year. Um, I guess in the early eighties was not bad mid eighties, but it wasn't 440. It was a hundred and something. And, but they wanted Jimmy making like half of that because they didn't see him. You know, he, he's not taking bumps. He's not wrestling. He's just out there running his fucking mouth. And that was not valued that highly in those days. A lot of times the manager was a favor job. He'd get you on television, figure out a way to make money. And, uh, and Dennis and Bobby battled to make sure Jimmy got paid what they made because Jimmy uh, more or less was the manager for Bobby. He made sure Bobby made all of his flights, helped him with his finances and everything. Much like what Paul, um, uh, the manager of the Road Warriors, uh, helped me out, Paul Orndorff. Much like Paul Orndorff was with the Road Warriors. He was really their manager. Managed their money, managed their flights, made sure they had all their booking set up and everything. And uh, so he, he certainly earned every dollar that, that, that Paul Orndorff got. I didn't have to do that. I just had to be the mouthpiece, show up for fucking television. And I worked when I wanted, did the shows I wanted. And I would pick and choose the towns I thought would make money because I always had a gimmick table once I became an announcer. I couldn't sell gimmicks as a heel. But as an announcer, I wanted to make sure I was going to make money because I could go out and sell pictures, merchandise, DVDs, whatever the fuck. And uh, I would have many shows I did with Ohio Valley Wrestling that I made more money than the company did. The company might have profited after whoever got paid which was very few and the building rent was paid and and the and the and the expenses of getting there getting set up the ring truck this that and the other there'd be many times that my profit would be two or three times higher than what ovw made now i didn't tell them that or they were never they would want a piece of it <laughs> they left me alone they never wanted a piece of the action they said because because there was many times there and there the only checks i were getting were supplemental checks from wwe so when that went away we're going to give you all these avenues where you can make money, selling advertising, hanging banners on our show, booking the WWE stars when they come to town, advertising the SmackDown shows, getting us on radio and television. You will always get 30% of that action. And then when you go to the shows, we're not going to fuck with you. You, you want to sell your pictures, DVDs, merchandise, headphones, whatever the fuck you're wanting to sell. We're not going to fuck with you. You sell what you want, you make what you want. And they'd always ask me how I did. Well, I did all right. I did good. Oh, it was a bad night last night. Oh, it did real good. They never got any fucking numbers. Because if they had known that OVW profited $500 in Somerset, and Kenny Bowen made 1300 at Somerset, they would have put an end to that shit. <laughs> if, if that actually happened, you know. <laughs> who knows? Woo! Could have got ugly. Could have got ugly. 
but it was very. If I was showing up at a town, I knew it was going to be a moneymaker. And I also broke it down to a science. I knew when I was selling my merchandise, if they had five hundred people at uh, at uh, London, London, Kentucky, mm-hmm. I knew I was going to make three dollars a head. If a hundred people show up, I'm going to make three hundred bucks. That was how the averages worked out. That much math I would do. Uh, if it's five hundred people, all right, I'm going to make fifteen hundred tonight. We do a show with three thousand people. Ooh, <laughs> I'll be there <laughs> because the the magic was is if I had enough merchandise and always had enough pictures. Because if you didn't have anything else, they'll buy a fucking picture from you because you're the face of the company. You're broadcasting every show. You're the biggest star they know. So if I'm sitting out there, oh, there's Kenny. Dean Hill didn't do that. Dean Dean didn't go to many of those towns. Dean never thought to sell pictures. And do that shit. Dean was probably at least as equally as big as day. He wasn't as verbally skilled or anything, but who is? You know, get right down to it. Who is? But um, I use those to make my fucking money. And um, so, yeah, so once I got an idea, how many tickets have been sold in Cincinnati? Ooh, $2,200. $3 a head. I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> now, there might be some try to shit on those numbers, but it worked out not every time. There's sometimes it'd be low, but sometimes it'd be above. But the average was about three dollars a head. Hundred people. There had to be a hundred or more. I wasn't going. I'm making three hundred dollars, or I ain't showing up. And and many times I'm just there to either introduce somebody, ring, or just be there to be at the gimmick table, somebody for them to meet before the show. And I wouldn't have anything else to do. And I'd be there at intermission. And when the show was over, I'd be there. So I had three opportunities to sell shit all night. And they might be saving their money for other things. And then if they had money left over, they were coming to the gimmick table to buy what I had left. And all the baby faces and the heels hated that I would outsell them and everything. But the fucking fat announcer is outselling us in everything. And I sold everything. I was always coming up with something to sell. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty nice when you know there's going to be 2,000 people. And, and, okay, three bucks a head. I'll be there. We're going (laughs) to tell them that. Fuck no. Well, sue me now is all I can say. Sue me now. <laughs> you know, I first started watching wrestling in uh, 1993. Um, it was probably 1993 after... 1993 was my... Um, I hadn't even started at OVW yet. I was uh, kind of helping out Jimmy and Smoky Mountain in 93. I started with Goulas in 87. He died in 90. So, 93, I, I didn't start OVW until November of 96. So, I wasn't even there yet. Yeah, it was sometime in 93, uh, my stepdad... Where are you based at, by the way? What, what city in, are you in? I'm in Toronto, Canada. Oh, that's, that explains the half-covered roof. Okay, I got you. <laughs> Matter of fact, one of, one of my biggest fans on the show, her name is Rory. She's a, a sweet, uh, sweet black <clears throat> gay girl, uh, and she promotes it. I'm not exposing anything here, that lives in Toronto, and one of the sweeter people that watches our show. So shout out to Rory, uh, who I'm sure I will send her a link to this show when it airs, and... Uh, and we got a few Canadian fans up there uh, that donate on my show. Um, um, can't think of any of their names. But <laughs> Lemonhead <laughs> lives up there. Uh, uh, Chris lives up there. And uh, Rory and a few other fans that watch the show. And as a shout-out to all of my Canadian fans up there. All eight of you. <laughs> all right. Uh, no, I was just going to say, um, you know, my stepdad, he was watching WrestleMania. I guess it was a replay or whatever. And... Uh, I happened to walk into the room and I saw it and I just sat down and I, I couldn't get up. Oh, your first ever show was a WrestleMania. Huh? WrestleMania nine. Do you remember? Do you remember who was in uh, the '93 WrestleMania? Who all was in that one? 
Uh, I don't know if I watched it. I was not responsible for any of those guys. Now, there's a lot of sense I've been responsible for, but I can't take credit for anybody in the 93 WrestleMania. Um, I don't think we watched it in order because when I walked out, I was uh, I saw it was uh, Ted DiBiase and, and IRS versus Hogan, and I think it was Beefcake. Oh, my God, yeah. Hogan <laughs> and Beefcake started out in Memphis as uh, Terry and Eddie Bollet. They were not very good, especially Eddie. <laughs> Especially, oh my God, um, uh, Ted DiBiase. I worked with at a, a celebrity legend show. They actually, in the early two thousands, had already given me legendary status because I'd sent Cena and a few others to the WWE. That I think it was like two thousand two. It was after nine eleven, and Cena and some of those guys had already been called up. And I was already considered a legend in managing, or at least of the promoters that booked me and my son on it. And those were the first shows where me and my son worked together, and Ted DiBiase was there. Tito Santana, Coco Beware, um, Ivan Koloff, Bobby Heenan, Ox Baker, a lot lot of these guys were booked on that show. And I just considered it an honor to be there. And uh, and Ted DiBiase was so so bitter by then. (laughs) We was in the bar, and I'm just in there just hanging out because I don't smoke or drink or anything. And uh, Ted DiBiase's at this bar at, at one of the places we're getting ready to do a show and uh and he wanted to know who all i'd met and worked with in the business that's well i said yeah i knew steve when he was poor and uh stunning steve i said i remember him when he's making two or three hundred dollars a week in memphis and eating tuna and potatoes oh yeah steve austin there's a character for you there's, there's a guy and uh he didn't like the image he portrayed uh, ted was deep into and i think he still is deep into the religion thing selling god to the wrestlers yeah and um not an easy sell to most wrestlers <laughs> <laughs> but uh uh ted was he just i couldn't name anybody he liked he, just, he was down on everybody then but but he he is a uh, one of the people that just took managing to a whole new level he was obviously an excellent wrestler but ted dibiase was a hell of a manager he got the most out of his thing and but I do blame him. If it weren't for him, we wouldn't know who the fuck Virgil was, and I blame him for that. Sometimes when we bring good to the business, we like to take credit for it, like the John Cena's and the Sean O'Hare's and, and the Mark Henry's and the very, and the Randy Orton's and the Brock Lesnar's. And then sometimes we expose Virgil <laughs> to the people, and uh, and we have to we got to pay for our sins one day, Ted DiBiase. We must pay for our <laughs> sins, and that's about all the religious talk I can lay on you. You know, everyone talks about that famous uh, class of 2002 that came up from OVW. Go ahead and name those, because that's an impressive class. It's Lesnar, Cena, Orton, Batista. Uh, I guess we'll throw Rico in there. Um, Yeah, Rico was there. Now, he was the first amongst those to go up. Bull Buchanan. Yes. He was the first to go up amongst them. Bull was my first person I ever sent. Uh, Because I remember Jimmy coming to the back, and we was in the old shitty building. And he come up, patted me on the back. He said, well, congratulations, because that was my job, was to train and develop these guys. Well, not train. I'm not in the ring. But to make them smart to the business. Teach them how to do promos. Teach them how to work. Teach them timing. Shit like that. And I wasn't in the ring physically training these guys. Fuck, any idiot would know better than that. Uh, but uh, he said, Matt, you got your first guy in the WWE? I said, really? And, uh, and I had a few then. I was kind of wondering who it was. And he said, yeah, Bull got called up today. I said, oh, my God. Well, that's great. <laughs> So Bull will always be special to me, and now he's in law enforcement. I think he's a sheriff in Nashville or something like that. And uh, I haven't talked to him in a long time. I need to reach out to him. I'd love to get him on my show. 
talk about the history, but I don't even know if Bull does podcast. I have no idea. But uh, Bull Buchanan was first. Rico went up not long after that. But the great thing about it, when the guys get called up, I get to beat them. <laughs> they have to lose a loser leave town match. Now, I didn't wrestle Bull. We just fucked him up. Sly Turkey come in to beat him up real bad to free him up to go to the WWE. So Bull got out unscathed. He didn't have to lose to me. But, but Rico lost to me. <laughs> Cena lost to me. Big Show lost. Henry lost. Uh, Rob Conway lost. I don't think I got to beat Densmore, though. Wish I'd have got his ass. I didn't get to beat Densmore. Uh, Matt Capitelli. Uh, there were so many of the guys that, that I got to beat. <laughs> As they went, and they knew when they were wrestling me on a show, like, all right, well, the great news is they're getting called up. Bad news is they got to lose bowling. So <laughs> that, well, those were always fun. But uh, I, I play the shit out of that Cena one. Anytime I, I book hotels for a living now, <clears throat> and if I'm having a, a, if I'm in a tough negotiation point, well, I better go to my GM and make sure we can get you that price. I said, well, by the way, do me a favor. I said, I want you to show a piece of footage to your GM. I said, do you know who John Cena is? And they said, oh yeah. Cause, <laughs> I think five times in the history of the world I've dropped John Cena's name. They didn't know who he was. <laughs> and um, I said, well, I want you to do that. I said, well, I want you to go on YouTube and, and, and search, and you got to do it this way. Search Kenny Bolin versus John Cena, and you're going to see me in a wrestling match with John Cena. I said, now, first of all, all of my matches were real, every one of them. I said, and I'm not going to bother to tell you who won the match. So tell management if they don't beat my price. If I can beat Cena's ass, that manager don't want none of me. <laughs> so that's how we break the ice. And there ain't been too many times I didn't get my deal once I told him I whipped Cena's ass. You know, they they, they cave in then. So it's just See such a it. such a legendary class. Um, you know. Oh yeah. I I wanted to ask. Uh, did you did you get to train any of the female wrestlers? Well, they worked with me. I worked with all of them. Uh, I worked with Mickey James. Uh, worked with Maurice. And I, let me give you some predictions I made to show you that I, I don't always know my shit. And I was very good at predicting what men would be successful. I fucked up on a few of the women. I knew Mickey was going to be a star. I felt Beth Phoenix had an excellent shot, even though she came in without a contract. She came in from Canada uh, with her boyfriend and some other loser. And they all three came together. And she eventually got rid of the boyfriend and or husband, whatever he was. She got rid of him. And upgraded to Edge eventually. <laughs> that was an upgrade for her. And uh, so Beth Phoenix came in with nothing. She was a waitress at Perkins wearing no makeup. They didn't like you to wear makeup there. And she met me at a flea market. And she'd been in the locker room with me all dolled up, mini skirt, not a mini skirt, but a short skirt on, white boots, and uh, was backstage with us one night. She didn't work, but uh, she was backstage, so I knew we, were, we had some type of plans for her. And uh, she comes up to me at a flea market, me and Rico or somebody down there doing a personal appearance. And Beth comes up in her Perkins outfit, the restaurant, no makeup, no nothing. And she says, hey, Kenny, it was such a pleasure to get to see you last night. And I'm thinking, and then who do you work for? She <laughs> says, uh, Perkins. I said, I didn't get at Perkins last night. Where'd you meet me at? Kenny, I was backstage in a locker room with you. <clears throat> and I'm looking at her going, and this is so fucking insulting. <laughs> I go, no, I don't think so. I said, nothing, no, no. Kenny, I'm Beth Phoenix. Oh! <laughs> now I've basically told her, well, you look like shit. Because <laughs> she was all dolled up with her hair poofed and done and the short skirt and the boot and looking like a million fucking dollars. 
And in the Perkins outfit, let's face it, not so much. <laughs> they weren't there for show. They were built for go for those Perkins. So I all but told her, well, you ugly bitch. <laughs> so I felt so bad. And, uh, and she went on to be one of the bigger stars in the WWE. Maurice was there. I predicted Maurice wouldn't last because she hated The Miz back then. Those are the best of my memory. She didn't like him. Uh, and she didn't look like she was built to make this business. And... Um, and who and uh, Alicia Fox. Alicia was there, very thin, very lean. And Rip was rough on the girls. He would call them the C word and get the fuck out of my ring, you stupid C word. And, this. and so I predicted that Maurice Kelly Kelly and um, who did I just say? Maurice Kelly Kelly and Alicia Fox. They weren't. I said they're not going to make it. I said number one, they're all three just drop dead fucking gorgeous. They're all three lean as shit. They're not going to like this bump taking shit. I think they're here for show more than for go. Then I predicted none of the three of them would make it. They're going to be gone in six weeks or less. Well, they showed my ass. So I'll admit when I'm wrong. Oh, Jimmy's not so good at that. He said Joey Mercury would never make it. He said that uh, Johnny uh, Johnny Nitro would never make it. Uh, two or three others he predicted. Uh, Paul London. Uh, he had so many people he said would not make it. Uh, hell, he wasn't too high on CM Punk either. Uh, especially when he got into it with Tony Atlas. So Jimmy's predictions of people that weren't going to make it did pretty fucking good once they got out from underneath him. Um, but uh, those were three girls I blew it on. Um, I, I knew Mickey James was going to be a huge star. Natalie Neidhart, obviously the bloodline. Um, and uh, Maurice, Kelly Kelly, Beth Phoenix. God, who all did we have back there? I mean, you just... Oh, um, God damn. Uh, uh, Mar uh, Maria Canellis, uh was there. Jimmy did not like her at all. Would not give her much of an option. We had April Hunter there with her boyfriend. Jimmy would not put April Hunter on TV because he didn't like her. She wouldn't go along with the, apparently the hot tub shit, I guess. And uh, but there were some things she wasn't going to go along with. And obviously, April Hunter is just one of the fucking most stunning women you'll ever put on. I mean, even if you didn't want to put her in the ring, and she's not bad in the ring, but you got to put April Hunter on camera. Put her out there with JD Michaels. That was who she was with at that time. Yeah. But April Hunter, April Hunter couldn't make television with us because of personal differences, apparently, with Jimmy. How do you not put, and she had already been on TV in other markets. How do you not put fucking April Hunter on television? Well, I don't if know. I was, if, if it was solely up to me, April's on every fucking week. I don't know April how. sit at the fucking desk with me as eye candy. I mean, I'll find something for her to do. I don't know how he feels about women, women's wrestling. I mean, he was not a big fan of Sable. Yeah, or you do. If you've listened to his <laughs> podcast, you know how he feels about it. Don't be covered up for him, you Canadian clown. What's the matter? You know how he feels. <laughs> I know that. Uh, I see why. I see why this thing ain't on video now, because you just realize <laughs> you ain't as pretty as me. It's eating you alive that at age thirty-nine, that the sixty-two-year-old guy looks about eighteen years younger than you, and is eating you alive. I, I know. <laughs> I know why. You'll never go video. You, you, I'm gonna let Bolin have all the video. I don't want none of it. I'll be the audio guy. Everybody, will think I look good. <laughs> Better tune into the bowling alley, folks, if you want to see what you're missing up here in Canada. Are you big in Canada? Is this a big deal up there? So in Ontario, it's my number one uh, market. Well, that says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, because I'm in, I'm in Ontario, right? But uh, there are a few states that I'm uh, I'm like in my uh, top five, like Florida, um, yeah. Washington, um. Colorado. Don't 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 name, don't name me five Republican states, and you just named two of them. Washington, I'll give you a pass. I said I said uh, Colorado as well. Republicans, yeah. M Michigan. Um, swing state, swing state. I'll give you that. And um, I think Maine is the other one. 
God, I can't remember what Maine is. Oh. You know, I think they're the weirdos. I think they're a Republican state, too. And North Carolina. to Canada, and they don't know another Republican Sorry. <laughs> God well, damn. I've got... Why uh, did you just add Alabama and Texas to it? Shit. I've got, ex- I've got extended family that lives in North Carolina, and they're big fans, I wouldn't so. own up to that. <laughs> my, as, a matter, as a matter of fact, my uh, biological father owns homes in Virginia and, uh, and North Carolina. But he was also the leader of the KKK, so <laughs> we don't really say a whole lot to each other. <laughs> being as being as every girlfriend I've ever had, short of about three of them, have been something other than white, he's not too uh, not too thrilled with that. So I got I got rid of my father in like 2008. Yeah, my- uh, when he he saw me in a picture in a magazine in Virginia. And he calls me up, and, and we were starting to speak a little bit then. Uh, I'm thinking, okay, he used to be the leader for the KKK. Now he's a member of the Freemasons, which was a glorified version of that. But they'd get around it by having a black man at the door. So the doorman and all the Freemason things were black, especially in Virginia. And that, and he told me right out of his mouth when they uh, kind of did away with the KKK in, in, in Virginia – that was his way to get around. Now, I didn't live with him, but I'd visit him from time to time. And as I got older, I learned more about what he was about. And um, so, no, he uh, he saw me in a magazine with two with two girls. Uh, one of them was Josie. I'm, I'm blanking out on the other. She kind of had a screaming gimmick. And both both very beautiful women. And uh, and I'm in the in the magazine with them with my arms around them because those were two of my projects I was getting on television. And Josie really made it big for OVW. I don't know if she did much on the national scene or not, but she did very good. Uh, I think she got maybe a little something to do in TNA, if I remember correctly, but uh, they were both doing very well in OVW, especially Josie. So they're doing an article about uh, me helping elevate these girls to television because uh, other people there did not believe in them, and I did. So normally if I would put my word behind them, they would at least get a shot. So say, if anybody remembers So say from the shows, uh, I helped get her on. Even though another one of the girls tried to take credit for it, and I explained to so say, they can take credit for it. I said, but if I didn't ride with Jimmy to London, Kentucky, and pitch your ass for three fucking hours to him to get you on, you wouldn't be on. The girl can take all the goddamn credit she wants because she went to so say telling her that she got her on. I forgot which one it was. One of the WWE girls. and But she wasn't there yet either. So I said, no, no, no. Unless she rode with Jimmy for three and a half hours pitching your shit, no, she didn't get you fucking on. She can take the credit if she wants. So, um, dad saw me in the magazine with those girls. He calls me, I'm living on, um, uh, Dogwood Drive at this time in Louisville, Kentucky. And he calls me and he says, uh, and he spoke like a Southern general. And he says, uh, uh, Kenny, he says, I'll see you in a magazine here with a, with a, with a couple of, a couple of girls. I said, yeah. He said, what are you doing in that magazine with those two? And, uh, he called them something other than black girls. Yeah. I said, well, Dad, I said, we don't really call them that down here. I said, uh, he, well, what do you call them? I said, we call them girls. We call them girls. I said, we don't really call them that down here. I said, well, I just want you to know how much shame you brought to this family, you being pictured in that magazine with those girls. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, let me make it easy for you. I said, don't consider me a part of your family anymore. And I hung up on him. That's the last time I spoke to my biological father was in 2008. So. Wow. Would you believe me if I told you that uh, – I never met my biological father, that he was a pimp, and he did four years for armed robbery. You know what? I would believe it because you look like you were left on somebody's doorstep. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd believe it. Uh, so, he was a pimp and served time for armed robbery. Well, I don't know whose dad was worse, mine or yours. 
Mine was pretty bad. Now, he didn't. He didn't arm rob anybody that I know of. But he was a he was a racist asshole. <laughs> He's still alive too. Now my stepdad, who for a while he was he was a drunk, so he had his issues too. And um, and he and he and I patched things up. He wanted to see my son when he was born in '87. I said, "Well, he's never going to meet your drunk ass." I said, "Because when you're sober, you're a good guy." I said, "But the drunk version, fuck, fuck that guy." I said, "I don't even ever want him to see him." I said, "But if you quit drinking, you can see him. Otherwise, you're never going to see my son." Because I'd been long gone from him since the age of 14, anyway, mm-hmm. and I didn't have Chris till I was 27. So I want you to know at at uh, late late age of 27. Uh, he quit drinking, never took another drop, and he and I actually formed a pretty good relationship until he died in his, I think, early early to mid-70s. And my mother died, uh, her banner hangs on my wall here, she died uh, about four years ago, I think. Um, um, she, she would be 82 if she were alive today, and she died when she was 78. Wow. And my stepdad died, I think, uh, about 75, 76, something like that. Yeah, he died a while. Well, you know what? He was two years older than Mom. So, yeah, he was probably in his mid to late 70s as well. And he and I had a decent relationship towards the end. I took him to a lot of the wrestling shows, and he got to be the bell ringer and timekeeper, shit like that. And that was just a dream to him. He never dreamed he would be a timekeeper or a, or a, or a bell ringer at wrestling shows and have me put him over and introduce him as the tonight's timekeeper. And he just ate that shit up, and he'd do that at the country towns we'd go to. So we patched up our differences. Uh, me and the other guy, he's still alive, but I haven't spoke to him since 2008. Yeah. Uh, all my, you, can uh, all bro- you can tell I'm all broke up about it. All my parents have uh, passed away, so... All your parents got How many goddamn parents you got? Well, I had to, a guy who I... He was like my stepdad, like the one who introduced me to wrestling. Uh, but yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He died in 2011. My he mom- wasn't actually your stepdad. He was just sleeping with your mom on Thursdays. <laughs> My mom, she uh, she passed away in tw- in 2019. I'm, I'm actually glad she's not alive to hear that I said that. So. <laughs> Good God! The, so, uh, what, what year did she pass away? 2019. Well, this has just turned into a somber ass show. My mother died uh, January of 2018. Yeah, January January 5th of 2018. Her banner's hanging over here on the wall, and she was born November the 14th of 1939. Yeah, so. Actually, you know what? Uh, on that note, like I don't know why. Why don't you tell me? On that note, uh, you know, it's it's a good thing that my mom's not here because I still have her ashes here. I don't know what to do with them. And... My mother's ashes are in the kitchen <laughs> along with my dog Misty. Those are the only ashes that I have. My mother's and my dog Misty, aka Moo Cow, who died the day I moved in this house. And uh, well, we had to have her put down. She just could not have lived here. Too many steps, and uh, she. She hung around three or four months longer than we thought she was going to anyway. So those are the only ashes I have are my mother's and uh, and my dog, uh, Moo Cow. My, now my, I have two cows. My mom two is probably... Two cows not ash ready yet. He's asleep on the sofa back there. I think you see him back there laying in the window? Uh, I think... See the, black do- see the black dog laying by the black curtain? Yeah, we hope he's not ready for ashes yet. He's going to hang in there a little longer with us. My, uh, my mom's probably like, what the fuck am I living in a box for? I know, I know. Put her in a fold, put her in a Folgers can. They, they're a lot less expensive than an urn. Nothing, nothing like a good old Folgers can. They don't know any different, you know. They don't know any difference. Yeah. So, getting back to OVW, what was it like when? Yeah, because uh, this took a somber turn. We were talking about all this death and destruction and everything. And what was it like? Animals, and dead mothers. What happened um, when WWE pulled out of OVW, and and what was uh, your role uh, then? Company, or company went to hell. What do you think? <laughs> 
yeah, a lot of money went away. Uh, a lot of stress went away. Jimmy had long been fired by then. And um, so we were kind of on our own for a while and uh, just chugging along, doing what we did before WWE came along. I mean, the talent was still doing okay. Um, and then eventually we got to deal with TNA. It, obviously nowhere near the deal we had with WWE. And obviously nowhere near uh, the talent that we had with WWE. I mean, there just wasn't that pool of talent coming in that uh and i still can't tell you today i think we had a referee got called up to tna can't even think it is chris sharp maybe somebody um so and i think one of our producers got called up to be a producer for them back backstage as far as wrestling talent i can't tell you who made it from obw to tna that uh, didn't go to the wwe first I, I i couldn't name anybody uh i retired in september of 2012 so anything that's happened after that i don't know too much about so, um, but yeah, it was obviously uh, different times. Uh, Danny was in a shit mood because Danny, uh, let's face it, was making some real good fucking money, more than he ever wanted us to know he was making. Some say he had put a couple of million in the bank just in the 10-year agreement we had with him. Some say it was more than that. Um, so, it, but yeah, it, it was different times, but uh, not for the good. And the reason I left in 2012, everybody thinks it was because of... Uh, health con concerns because that's what i told everybody scratching my back again he's laughing at me for scratching my back but um i left because they they kept wanting me to seriously put over this show and talk good about the talent that sucked a lot of the talent we had was not very good and i was also very good at pointing out some of our talents not very good and they said well you need to say this or you need to say that i said no i will i will call what i see and if it's not good, I'm not going to lose my credibility with the TV audience who's been watching me since 1996. I said, no, I'm going to call a spade a spade. And if y'all got a problem with that, you need to find somebody else to call the matches. Well, they didn't go that route. And finally, the, the show was just getting so bad, I had to walk away. And I just told him it was health reasons. I gave him an hour's notice that I was leaving. I just walked in one day and my son says, Dad, he says, you act like you just dread going in there anymore. I said, well, you notice I used to wear a suit and or my wrestling bullshit and, and actually care. Now I show up in fucking jogging suits. I said, I just don't give a shit. And uh, he said, it might be time for you to leave. I said, you might be right. And I went in that night. I said, this is my last night. Never said goodbye to the fans. Never did shit. Just did my show. Never told anybody I was leaving other than Danny backstage and a few of the boys. I'll never see you again. I'm out. <laughs> and that's the... Uh, but but, but Al, Al Snow is talking to me about coming back for the 1,200th show, which I think is going to be in October, I think. Uh, but we're in talks to where I might go back, and that would be the first time since 2012 I've set foot in the building, if I actually do it, and if they really want me there. But Al did my podcast with me, and he, he teased the fact that we might do that. So we'll see. That's awesome. Yeah, he yeah. bought he bought OV, OVW. He did. He did. I told him he's an idiot. <laughs> So, so now he's now now he's got uh, some financial backers with him and and they're they're in a lot of homes they're on fight tv and various other channels they're in a lot of different countries and uh, i think he says they're they're in like a hundred million homes now is it now, that don't mean a hundred million people are watching it but <laughs> but he is on fight tv and a few other places and um and uh, so if you want to educate yourself more to what's going on with ovw uh, al and i basically do not take a breath if you go to the bowling alley youtube.com forward slash the bowling alley look up the al snow episode from two or three weeks ago and uh there was a streaming service here that was filming that we can't say who it was because we had to sign ndas 
but you'll see uh, like a $300,000 camera floating around in the background, and they were filming my podcast. So eventually, on one of these streaming services, you will see that eventually, and plus I've done some interviews for them as well. So um, um, we'll see how that goes, but yeah, I, I can't say who it was. Though. So is OVW... No, those, were Al, those were Al's people. Al's people. <laughs> is OVW still a, uh, a, a developmental territory? Uh, I think they are in talks... With, a, with AEW, I, I think there, there's some talk going on there. I've heard that. Uh, I know they, they come down and, and work with Al from time to time, and I think uh, TNA has, has done some stuff with them. I mean, it's hard to be developmental for the developmental. Cause that's what I think <laughs> TNA is. Sorry. <laughs> so, I've never, Impact. I, I've never, Impact. I've never liked TNA or Impact or whatever I you want to like call it. When, I didn't like it when Jimmy was there. I didn't like <laughs> it when Hogan and Nash and all them were there. I just, it just, it just wasn't my cup of tea. Um, but uh, so I think there's some talks going on about that, uh, and we will learn more in the, uh, uh, as they say, a developing situation. So. Wow. So I wanted to talk. Uh, you gotta have an opinion about. Uh, I don't gotta. <laughs> about Vince stepping down, I'm curious. Yeah. Um, I've talked about it a little bit on my shows. Um, number one, and this is where we're about to find out if he's really stepped down or not. Obviously, with all the heat surrounding him, the millions <clears throat> of dollars in, in hush money, sexual harassment. Um, some of these girls, I've known their stories for a long, long time, but they signed NDAs weren't supposed to talk about how much money they got, reveal their names or anything, or, or they could forfeit their money. Uh, or they would try to come back after them to get it. Good luck on that, is all I can tell you. <laughs> um, so I've known about this shit for a long time, especially with three or four of the girls. And um, and then it finally come to head. A couple of the names have been dropped, but I still won't repeat them because you're not supposed to. Um it came out originally as Vince paid $3 million in hush money, and I go, I know for a fucking fact that number's wrong because I already had a number in my head. The number I had in my head that I knew he had paid out was in the neighborhood of $12 million, and I hear it's now up to $14.4 million yeah. is what's been revealed. It could be higher than that. I did not know that the WWE had paid $3 million on behalf of John Laronitis, but I suspected that it could be because John recruited all these women, the Kelly Kellys, Maurice and various others out of uh, magazines. They didn't give a fuck if they had any talent, just did he want to masturbate to them, <laughs> supposedly. And if he did, he wanted to get them a job in the WWE. And you knew if that's how he was getting them. And apparently, I didn't know this, he's married to one of the Bellas, uh, well, both of the Bellas' mother. Yeah. I didn't know that. And I said, well, and they said, well, God, he's married to Bella's mother. I said, well, I haven't seen the mother. I'm just going to, on, on basic math and and, uh, and evolution, I'm going to assume that the Bella Moms doesn't look like the Bellas, and maybe he likes girls that look about the age of the Bellas or even younger. I'm just assuming, because that's what, he's not recruiting, he's not recruiting the Bella Moms on the show, he's recruiting the Bellas and they're, and they're younger than that. So, um, I had a feeling there was some shit going on, I hadn't had anything confirmed, and then I hear that he had to pay $3 million, that they paid $3 million because he didn't have no fucking $3 million. So they paid $3 million on behalf of him. So I said, this is how we'll know how much Vince has to do with the show. The minute that Kevin Dunn and Bruce Pritchard are fired, we will know that Vince no longer has any say in the show, that it's all Triple H and Stephanie because they don't really care for either one of those. And um, now I heard 
that uh, th- this was definitely a rumor from, from a not very reliable source, but he likes to think he is. And he said that he had heard that they weren't at the shows recently and that they had been quietly asked to go home and to go away. I said, nope, that's not how they do it. The WWE thrives for we wish you the best on your future endeavors. They're not quietly telling any fucking body to go home. So um, so we're waiting on the future endeavors, but supposedly one of them was not at the show the past couple of weeks, and one of them missed a couple of shows and was back this week. So uh, uh, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but until they're gone, Vince is calling the shots. And, um, and you'll just have to see how much Vince's flavor is still on the show. Triple H did a hell of a job in NXT, even though Triple H and Stephanie did not like me and Dean Hill being announcers. Regardless of their personal opinions about me and Dean, uh, Triple H did a good job in NXT. And he knew how to get the talent over. And let's hope that starts to happen again, because Asuka and Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, Karee Sane, and various others did much better down there. Uh, well, fuck, who was the guy they used to bring out on the fucking high-rise escalator? What was his name? Um James Storm or somebody it wasn't Storm. Who was it? Rick Rude, Bobby Rude. Yes. So, but they had, they had Bobby Rude over like a motherfucker down there, and they bring him up here, and he just never gotten over it like that again. Shinsuke's over, not like he was. He needs the fucking violin players. He needs the nine guys and white tuxes and white. He needs a fifteen minute intro. Just just let him dance for nine minutes. <laughs> who gives a fuck? We got three hours of goddamn television. Put him on Raw. Let him dance for nine minutes. Do a three-minute match and dance nine minutes back to the goddamn. It's great television. <laughs> uh, he's the reason I started watching um, NXT back then. Was because of him and Oscar and Kareem Sane. Yeah, I got a Japanese thing, I guess. But um, we, we, we will see how much flavor of Triple H comes to the shows, and do Kevin Dunn and Bruce Prichard keep their jobs? And uh, if Stephanie and Triple H have their way, they will both be gone very quickly. So we'll see. So we'll see. That's when. That's when we'll know. I had a couple questions, a couple follow-ups. Uh, right. Obviously, we're not we're not going to name names, but I might. <laughs> um. So how did if if everyone signed an NDA and obviously Vince is not going to say anything, how are how are these stories getting out? Is it because the, the somebody bo- slips up and tells? I was told. I could have easily dropped those names. I didn't because I'm a decent human being and I do what the fuck I say and what I say I'm going to do. But not everybody has my ethics. And they, if they told me, they told other people. And then somebody said, you know what? This is a great fucking story. And I'm going to go to a source and maybe they'll pay me a little bit for that story. Or maybe they said, you know what? I'm tired of Vince getting by with this shit and my money's gone. So I'm going to tell somebody and hopefully they'll go tell someone else that can get the word out and then the word gets out and then I, I sort of I didn't I didn't go to the paper with it I didn't go to a reporter they did but you know when you sign an NDA you're not supposed to tell anybody uh, but I was told many years ago by at least three or four of the girls what had happened what they were paid and uh, but you can't tell anybody well I will actually honor my word if I tell you and if I say well, nope nope I'm going to the press with this sorry I'll do that too <laughs> <laughs> but no, I wasn't going to do them like that. They want to cost them their fucking money, and um, so yeah, that, that's how that works. Um, not everybody keeps their fucking mouth shut, and it, it stayed quiet longer than I thought it would, because I've been hearing about these improprieties going on since the mid to late eighties, middle eighties, eighty six, maybe a little bit in eighty four, 
And then we had some of our girls that had uh, actually been through OVW uh, who had told a couple of stories and others who didn't do anything about his advances, but they thought that's what put up with the kids. I'll tell you two names I don't think, three names I don't think will ever come up. I don't think you'll hear Molly Holly's name come up. I don't think you'll hear Ivory's name come up unless he tried something and they reported him for trying. But Molly Holly, Ivory, and Miss Jackie, I can assure you he didn't get anywhere with any of the three of them because more better than him have tried and didn't get anywhere. And uh, and they actually had morals and ethics. And if, if you got to fuck to play, they weren't going to play that. So those are three names I don't think you're going to see come up as far as uh, paid to shut up. I don't think that's going to happen. So I will drop those three names because I don't think you're going to hear those names come up. Others, a whole nother story. I, I've even heard a lot of people talking about a girl who sued him for a million dollars could be one of those names. And if you do the math, you'll figure out who that is. So, so you're saying that? So you're saying that even though he retired, he's still pulling the strings. Well, I'm saying there's a good possibility of it because you could tell he didn't do it. When, remember when the allegations came out and he was, he, uh, I'm going to be on SmackDown tonight, and the ratings went through the roof because they thought he was going to say something and he didn't do shit. Yeah, that was the whole plan. He knew he couldn't say shit, but he wanted to shove it in everybody's face. I'm still the guy. I'm calling the shots. I'm the big dude around here. Oh, by the way, watch me on SmackDown tonight. CNN reported he was going to be on SmackDown. How many times has CNN reported that Vince McMahon's going to be on SmackDown? It's called fucking never. It's never happened. So even my Mark ass was tuning in to see what was going on. Oh, CNN's now, okay, maybe he's going to talk about it. I was a Mark. I fell for it. Uh, He didn't say shit. And if I'd have done the math, I'd have realized he wasn't going to say shit because then he would be in deeper shit. So he comes out, cock of the walk, and, and nearly fell out of the fucking ring trying to get out of there. Uh, 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 if, if anybody saw that, that was comical. And then he shows up the next week on uh, uh, Monday Night Raw or whatever. He did SmackDown once, and then I think he did Raw. Mm-hmm. C- didn't didn't say dick, didn't say shit. Just wanted to let everybody know he was there. I'm still I'm still running his shit. And then all of a sudden, when he retires, it's a little bitty tweet at eight seventy seven. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> time to retire that was that was a gun at his head saying motherfucker stay off the goddamn television quit associating yourself with this product because the shit's getting deeper it started out at 3 million now it's up to 14.4 <laughs> now we got 3 million on behalf of John Laronitis that's 17.4 million dollars your dumbass is paid so y'all can fucking get some pussy so you can get laid from people that didn't want to be fucked by you called called forcible rape in some some parts of the country why don't you just shut the fuck up so here here's the tweet make it so it looked like a gunpoint tweet because vince mcmahon don't do shit like that vince mcmahon is going to have a retirement party and, and and stephanie did everything she could to give it to him thank you vince fuck you vince <laughs> you fucked over a lot of people well god didn't vince do this and do that yeah he did he also fucked over a lot of people Hitler invented the, some people say invented the interstate system. That doesn't get him off the hook for what he did to the Jews. Yeah, he, he had a lot to do with the Volkswagen bug or something. He had a lot to do with the interstate system. That don't get you a pass on the millions of people that you were responsible for gassing and killing. I'm sorry. Vince, yes, did some good things. Did a lot of bad things, too. And uh, But at age 77, what are they going to do to him? So, uh, no, not, not thank you, Vince. We, we don't thank you for sexually harassing 
and raping women in some cases, because uh, there, there has been an accusation of that as well. My next... He raped a girl in the back of the limo. Yeah, I, I heard that one too. No, we don't, we don't, we don't think, not in my house. <laughs> I don't know about Canada. I don't know about maybe some Republican states that they do that. Maybe in Texas, maybe in Alabama, Mississippi, Florida. My house, we don't do that. We don't think people for sexual assault and rape. We don't do that. So if you thank him, I'm not going to. That's why I banned him from my show last week. He's not, he's not allowed on my show. Where the hell is Linda and Shane in all this mess? <laughs> Haven't heard a whole lot, have we? No. Haven't heard a whole lot. Well, Linda was actually pressed on it. She was at some get-together the other day, and she was pressed on it. She says, well, I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about whatever the fucking event she was there for. And they kept pressing her on it. Oh, my God, I'm not here to talk about that. Well, what do you think about your husband's improprieties? What do you think about all the hush money he's paid? I'm not here to talk about that. Well, the event hadn't started yet. You could just stop and say what you think about it. You could condemn it. You could say, she's known. Let me give you two scenarios, and then we need to wrap it up, because i got to go to the grocery store. Yep. Um, I didn't want to do this show to fucking begin with. (laughs) So... So, he's going, God, what a shitty guess. So, um, where was I going with this? I was about to make a point. What was I getting ready to say? You were saying about uh, Linda. Yeah. 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 Um, she is the, the Melania Trump of the WWE. She's known about this shit for a long time. It ain't been no big secret that Vince was paying and, and fucking the girls as, as often as he fucking could. It ain't no big fucking secret. Everybody's known about it. Some people ignore it. Some people, and, and for those of you guys who ever call any of those girls liars that know better, shame on you. Fucking shame on you. And there will be some that'll do that. They're going to say, well, I never... I heard Cornette on his show the other day. He said he never had any clue Vince was doing this shit. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. I know shit. Don't do that. Don't act like you didn't know. Everybody, if I knew, and I wasn't backstage, I met Vince a few times, but I wasn't backstage with him. I wasn't riding up and down the road in cars with him, like some people. So don't act like you didn't know. Just shut the fuck up. If you, if you don't want to say anything, then don't say anything. But don't say you didn't know. And there's a lot, lot like him claiming they didn't know. They fucking knew because I knew. And Melania Trump, you know, you, when, when you when you paid out the fucking hush money Trump has paid, and how, how many of those does it take before you realize, well, I guess my husband's fucking around on me. I'll stay anyway. The money's good. The press is good. I'm a husband of the most powerful man in the world. No, it ain't going to last long because people are going to catch on to this stupid shit and they're going to get rid of him, but it'll be a fun four years. And uh, so, no, fuck Melania Trump, fuck Linda McMahon. They they knew and they elected to stay. They knew the people he had hurt. They knew the people that had been raped. They knew who had been sexually assaulted. And they knew, had to, they knew who had to fuck them to keep their jobs. They both knew. And they both elected to stay and say fucking nothing. So fuck both of them. And what about That's my personal opinion? And what about my pers- and for those acting like you didn't know, you're fucking liars. And what about Shane? Right. Uh, what about him? Where is he? Why isn't he? Why was it given to? Well, he's kind of the, he's kind of the black sheep of the family right now, and apparently they blamed him for fucking up some match that he put himself over in, or gave himself way more to do. But he's kind of been of the black sheep of the family for a while. 
Fuck Stephanie too. They all fucking knew. Fuck Triple H. They all fucking knew. And now, thank you, Vince. Fuck you, Vince, is what I say. Fuck you. When you violate women's rights, when you think you can buy a blowjob, and then when they threaten to report you for having to blow you to keep their job, and now you've paid out, just that we know of, $17.4 million on behalf of you and Larinitis, and there's probably others. I mean, there's more to come. There's more to come. I told everybody when it was $3 million, I said, shut the fuck up. There's a lot more. I tweeted that the day I saw the three million. People, people say what they fucking want. I, on day one, I said, "Shut the fuck up." There's more coming, and there was, and I think there might still be some more. Uh, there might still be some more because I know some names <laughs> that have talked to me that have not come up yet, and I haven't heard their amounts discussed yet, and I know what they are. So, Jimmy Cornette, I didn't know the. Oh, shut the fuck up. Sue me. Well, I can't. Uh, I can't think of a better way to end this episode. I want to thank well, I you can. for. It'd been if I'd never called in to begin with, and just <laughs> left you sitting here with your dick in your hand. That would have been a great idea. Thank you so much. Oh, for... by the way, there's my cat. My cat just showed up. The cat heard you finally ending this thing. The cats are good. I come to the desk and eat now. Here, I'll show you my cat. <laughs> this is Chairman Meow. See Chairman Meow Meow. Yeah. I'm a little baby. Little baby cat. And her food's on the desk, otherwise the dogs will eat it, and they know better than to touch anything on my desk. So I'm she aller- knows her food is safe here. I like cats, but I'm allergic to them. I kind of am. They fuck with my eyes a little bit, but the, the person that was leaving could not take the cat with her, So and I couldn't find a home for her. And, uh, so I found a home for the Siamese cat, but I couldn't find a home for this one. I said, well, I guess it's my cat now. <laughs> so Chairman Meow, and uh, behind me, in, in a house behind me, there's a cat named Prince Charles, and then off to the right of me, there's a cat named Hitler. So we have all these evil dictator leader cats living around here. <laughs> Prince Charles, Chairman <laughs> Meow, Hitler, and none of the cats knew each other. They just all had these names. Wow. So, so I got Chairman, I, I renamed her Chairman Meow Meow. She's a girl. All right, so her claws are dug in. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I renamed her Chairman Meow Meow, because that's how I got her to come out from under the bed. She came in here, there's three dogs running around, she's a little timid. And uh, so whenever I'd go to the bathroom in the bedroom, it says, where's Meow Meow? Come on, Meow Meow. And she'd hear Meow Meow, and she'd come. And uh, even though the name is Chairman Meow, so I just call her Little Meow Meow, you know, like a rapper. Little <laughs> Meow Meow. And, uh, and Prince Charles is, lives out back, and Hitler lives over here. So it's, <laughs> I'm surrounded by evil dictators. <laughs> oh. There's Scooby. There's Scooby running around. Scooby loves Chairman Meow. They, they sleep together at night. <laughs> they've become a pretty good team and the other two dogs just ignore her and she ignores them well she just turned off my answering machine thanks <laughs> she's trying to get the answering machine to pet her because I'm busy so um, so d- did you get everything out of me you wanted and are you going to send me that other 450 bucks that y'all shorted me <laughs> you got all that Canadian money up there you got all that Trudeau money oh Trudeau <laughs> I could go on about him no no, no. <laughs> I don't know. He, he's done some shit, but hey, Trudeau's, Trudeau should run again and just say his campaign, at least I ain't Trump. That's all he needs. At least I ain't Trump. Or, or I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll take 35 Trudeaus over fucking hey, Trump. Or he could, say, he could say, hey, I'm a cross between Trump and Hitler. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good either. Uh, not, not the cat. You're not even talking about the cat, are you? No, I'm not, not talking about one. the cat. 
Oh, Lord. Yeah, this I know there's some Canadians that don't like him, and this, I probably don't know enough about him to pass an opinion one way or the other. All I know is that he didn't cause an insurrection in Canada. Yet. Uh, our asshole did. He's the most crooked motherfucker ever to walk the planet Earth, and hopefully he's getting ready to pay for his crimes. Uh, I'll still take your guy over our guy. <laughs> Any day of the goddamn week. And he wore blackface, and you know how I feel about that. Well, so did Ted Danson, and they forgave him. They forgave Ted Danson. Well, because he did it with Whoopi Goldberg. Well, so if Whoopi's going to forgive him, then what? You know, what do you got? You know, our our prime minister, if, he if uh, shit on it, then Ted would have been in a lot of shit. But he did it with Whoopi Goldberg because Whoopi thought it was funny. But he also well, he also when he was younger decided it was a good idea to grope a reporter, and then it got buried. It was never talked about, and then well, it came Trump, up. Trump's get reported, and Republicans. Republicans just ignore it. Trump has been groping people since he was in his 20s. As a matter of fact, if you uh, anonymous reported recently that Trump had settled out of court with 12 kids, boys and girls alike, oh. on sexual assault and rape charges when he was palling around with Jeffrey Epstein. Oh. Settled out of court 12 times. Have Jeffrey Trudeau top that one. Yeah, the groping shit's horrible. There's been a lot of wrestlers that have done it. Uh, a lot of the legends that people want to worship have really violated women, and I don't have to tell you the names. You know who they are. Yeah. And um, and th that's shit that I never played. You, you, you just, you know, um, uh, telling them how pretty they are. You can't do that no more because now you're telling the girl next to her she ain't pretty. Oh, well, don't you look beautiful today. Well, there's three women sitting right by her. Oh, so what, what are we, dog food? Well, heel Kenny Bowling would say, yeah. <laughs> but you can't do that. You know, you can't do that in a corporate world. So, yeah, there's even shit that, that I have done that is no longer permitted. You can't, you can't touch a girl's hair and tell her how soft it is. Can't tell her how pretty she is. Can't tell her how pretty her outfit is. But you sure as fuck have never had the right to fucking touch them if they don't want to be touched. Absolutely. You know, if they grab your hand and put it there, that's one thing. When you're doing it on your own, you're a sexual assaulter and your ass needs to go to jail and or prison. So that's... And, that, and that's always been the case from 1960 till now absolutely that's always been the case you touch a woman that don't want to be touched that's what should happen to you i don't give a fuck if you're uh the nature boy rick flair donald trump whoever however fucking famous you are and i'm not saying flair ever did that what was that airline flight all about <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no the uh i don't care how fucking famous you are you don't have the right to touch a woman that doesn't want to be touched absolutely. And i'm not saying flair did i'm talking about flair's level of fame in those days I could have said Harley Race I could have said Nick Bockwinkel and Nick Bockwinkel is one of the best gentlemen that I've ever met I've never heard a negative word about womanizing out of Nick Bockwinkel uh, if there's stories I haven't heard them and I've heard a lot of stories about a lot of the guys so I'm talking about the level of fame not that that you know, certain people did this so yeah we went a little overtime 522 you got some overtime out of so it's, it's $550 now not four fifty. Charge it another hundred because my cat's out here with a delayed dinner and she's pissed. And now I got to go to the store. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview. I really appreciate it. Don't thank me until I get my four hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> Hopefully, we could do it again sometime. If I get my four hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> I said good day. Have a great day. <laughs>